Hey, welcome everyone to Being Experiential Podcast. And tonight, today, whenever you're listening to this freaking thing, because we're recording it at night, and um, we are doing part two of the Wild and Messy Book Club. And we have some lovely ladies who will again introduce themselves. And I'm so freaking excited. Love this book, love the conversation. And so we're going to get deep dive into it. But before we do, can everyone just, and I'm with my co-host, Bethany Evans. Hello. I'm a dick. It's all right. Forgot. I told you I'm to interrupt. I told you to introduce. <laughs> hmm. I'm, tired. Um, I'm tired today. Okay. We're tired. You do the work. All these working women trying to do five things at once. So, but watch our energy will pick up. We'll see. Um, so if you don't mind starting with Jordan, if you just say your name and sign and sure. oh. yeah, and you have, oh, just so everyone we've identified Jordan as the no lady. Hi. No, no. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I, don't. We'll later. <laughs> I am Jordan and I'm, am I doing my age too? Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jordan 30 crab. Cancer. All right. So that's a cancer for all of you non astrological folks. Super crabby. (laughs) Kayla. Hi, I'm Kayla. I'm 37 and I am a Sagittarius. Trina. I am Trina. I am 50 and I am a Libra. Ooh, 50. That's like sounds so nice. Like 50. All right, Michelle. All right. Hi. Hi, I'm Michelle. I am 49 and or 48. Sorry, I'll be 49 in July, but I'm a Leo. Is that a Leo thing to give the age that you're becoming, not the age you're currently? My dad does that. Oh, your dad and I are both July Le- or July Leos. So yeah. maybe, okay. maybe we're like <laughs> you're like, yeah, we don't care. We're hot. Um, MK. Hi, I'm MK. I'm 39 and I'm an Aries. And then we have the lovely Kelly Evans. I am Kelly Evans, as she just said, (laughs) and I'm 61. I'm the old part in the group here and I am a Scorpio. No, you're the the crone. I'm the elder. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so right off the bat, first question. We're jumping into part two of the book um, Untamed by Glennon Doyle. And one of the things Glennon talks about is about the feeling of being gone. Um, Have you ever felt like you were like gone, like you weren't letting the inside of you be on the outside of you, heard, seen? <laughs> like like right now <laughs> it's like really, it's, it's really hard for an aries or a triple fire like myself to not feel myself on the outside and on the inside so she's like no <laughs> yeah i apologize for things after the fact which is probably bad but yeah i typically am try to be as authentic as i can be but I also vibe with people. So if I'm in a big crowd and people are not being genuine, I tend to follow suit. So it's like a, it's a vibe thing too. Mm. 
And then mm. how do you feel when that happens? When you're like, oh, everyone's being really, whatever your personality is not naturally authentic yourself. How do you feel later when you realize, once you realize that it has happened, what's going on for you? Depends on the sobriety state, I think. Because, <laughs> so you know, like, what is it? Uh, drinker's remorse, that sets in very much if I have, like, that thing going on the night before. But in the moment, I just am free. I don't know. I don't really, I don't second guess it. But. Mm. I know for me, when I did, so I sued the woman who killed Chris. And my lawyer constantly had to like tap me not to show too many faces. And that was a hard thing to feel a lot of stress. Has anyone been in like in a courtroom when I feel like the courtroom is the, probably the most stressful place I've ever been. And I felt very caged because I was trying not to make faces or like what? I was getting irritated about a good third of the time. And my lawyer is like, hey, you don't want to do that because you don't want them to interpret. You don't know what their interpretation will be of you being like, what? and I just remember feeling like so controlled um, or aware of trying to not disrupt or make faces. So I, I know that was yeah. probably the most caged minute to minute, hour to hour that I felt in my life that I can think of. Yeah. Oh, I used to be a preschool teacher, so I had to learn how to contain myself a lot. <laughs> and then being an educator in general, you can't really say the things you really are thinking <laughs> when people are acting a certain way, like college students. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'd say definitely being a parent too. You kind of have to learn how to con control what you're feeling on the inside when there's chaos on the outside. And what does that look like, Bethany? Because I'm kind of like, because I'm like, do I relate to that? I don't know if I relate to that because I probably have my own way of doing it, but. Well, I mean, for me, it's probably just like when you're really angry, say like, you know, and not saying you're angry at the children necessarily or, but like, say you do something or something happens, you get triggered by something. Because I'm thinking about like for me and my own son, like if he does or says something, it triggers me or say like, yeah, and I can't get mad at him and yell at him. So it's like, okay start breathing. I have to like walk out of the room. I have to physically like remove myself from the situation from him. So I don't take it out on him. Mm. Anyone else? I'll go. I was just sitting there thinking about it. Um, generally I have been told do not play poker because apparently I have a squishy face all over the place, but yeah, and I'm very, animated in terms of what I'm feeling. But I, I do rein that in when I'm in session with uh, clients because, you know, I, I, it's their show. But I noticed that I can only do so many a day because I feel so contracted and contained and holding space. But because generally I'm, I'm quite, I mean, you, you don't have to wonder where you stand with me normally. Really, everyone who cannot see her arms are flying like go into the air yeah she's like <laughs> i'm literally a moving target talking as she's here okay other question is have any of you ever do any of you numb if so how 
And if so, if you've made changes to the numbing, like what does that look like? Cause sometimes I, when I've talked to clients, they think their numbing is like, either they think everyone does it or they think no one does it. So I'm just curious. I think, <laughs> this, is, uh, this is Kayla. I, I think I, what I've learned about myself and I, I definitely come far from that was when I was in my younger adult life would romanticize a lot of things. And I think that that was a way of me numbing the pain and numbing like the reality that was around me of what reality was growing up and, you know, dysfunctional home or just being like in a bad relationship, I would just fantasize or romanticize whatever was bad to be better in my head. So I think for me, that was like a coping method, you know, method or a numbing method. Just if I romanticized it to be better than it would be, even though my reality wasn't. Does that make sense? Yeah. Could you give us a concrete? Because I'm hearing like, well, are you like disassociating or are you like saying, oh, that mean look they gave me actually is like, come hither look. Like, what does it mean? So, okay. So I guess like, okay. So when I, I guess, good question, Erin, um, is I think about being like my childhood and I think about like how things were really, my parents, things were bad at home, arguing with me. And when I would go to school or when I would talk to friends, I would romanticize actually what the household was really like. I would, I would make it look like it was all fine and dandy. And in reality, it wasn't at all. Like my parents were fighting all the time. I was constantly in the middle of them, but I would just make this picture of, oh, we're great. I have a great family. My parents are perfect. I am great. And, you know, therefore I'm going to make everyone else around me believe that I live this picture perfect life. And, but in reality, that, that wasn't the case at all. Mm. Does that make, does that yeah. make any sense? Yeah, no. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I kind of get what Kayla's saying. I, this was a tricky one for me because numbing traditionally in my mind is always when you latch on to, uh, this is Trina. Did I say that already? I already forgot. No, if I said no. that. Very fucked up. <laughs> okay. Oh boy. No kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, traditionally you think of drugs, alcohol, and mm-hmm. as much as I enjoy a good wine and to have, you know, uh, a little smoke here and there, I've never really reached, I've never felt like I've used those things to numb. It's never been something that has, but I've never been able to really clue into, I think the way Kayla just said it was kind of similar in terms of, I guess, putting my brain somewhere else. And that I got tripped up by this part in the book, you know, so, um, Trina, cause I know I we like, all do it. Trina, are you think, I feel like I was picturing like little compartments, like compartmentalizing. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. Kind of like yeah. that. It's almost kind of like, you know, you like what I, cause when this question uh, came up, I was like, well, I don't really know how to say, it. but when Kayla said what she said, I thought, well, that makes a lot of sense to me in some form. You know, and I think um, probably that's something I have to keep looking at. But um, but yeah, Michelle, I think that's probably a good way of putting it. Kind of, you know, you just box things a certain way so you can move through certain situations in your life. And maybe that is a form of numbing, I guess. I don't know. Maybe it's another word that would like resonate with me mm. because I take numbing so literal in terms yeah. of, you me know. Me too. Um, I'm with you on that. Yeah. What's, yeah, a, num- what's a smaller word for numbing, would you think? 
I don't know what another word would be for that. No, I think she's just thinking in the traditional sense, like 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 traditional, like traditional. Yeah. Yeah. But like it could be food, it could be sex, it could be relationships, keeping yourself distracted or work, you know, like for me, I know for at this moment in time, it's definitely emotional eating. Like since I'm not in a relationship. (laughs) So like if I get lonely or bored, I'm like, I'm going to go eat something. (laughs) I think mine's problems so I'm trying to solve other people's problems. There you go. Yeah. Especially <laughs> the ones close to me. Yeah. Like Carl gets the biggest when I'm not. And I feel like for me, it's more like when I'm not happy, I'm like, I turn into a nagger. That's what Chris, my late husband would say. He's like, when you're not happy or you're stressed, your coping skill is to come at the closest people to you and I'm and I'm like oh that's kind of but I realized I and I you know I've done a lot of work on it and I think part of it is to get control Mm. like I can't control this over here maybe work or my daughter so I'm gonna come after you and we're gonna start talking and deep diving in some areas that I'm not happy with right (laughs) and they're like uh what the hell yeah Yeah. you don't have Jordan's skill of nope not nope. doing it. Nope. <laughs> nope. Not today. Nope. Not today. So it's like, is that like say that deflecting is a form of numbing? Because I could see that for myself then in certain ways, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. And I think it's like I've tried to solve this over here. I've or I've gotten as far as I can get it. Or it's my coworker who I'm fighting with or something, let's say, and I can't mm-hmm. do it with them. So who can I do it with? So I kind of right. play out the angst. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I could see that for myself else. too. Well, again, because yeah. she's because if you think about numbing, is like you don't want to feel what is actually happening within you. So if Erin's doing that, she's looking outside of herself to fix what's happening right. within her, yeah. and making an issue outside instead of deal like allowing yourself to feel what's actually happening. Yeah, and I think for me, yeah. it's like the discomfort that things aren't where they I want them to be. Yeah. I have a hard time mm-hmm. being with. Well, you're a Libra, so you want things to be balanced yes. all the time. <laughs> Usually, yeah. Most of my discomfort comes from relationships. So yeah. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Typical Libra. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I feel like, Jordan, you would have a good answer for this. And if you say no, <clears throat> I'm going to cry. I, I, She's honestly, like, nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> it was a, a lot of these questions I had, like, were nopes for me. Um, mm. But... I, I mean, when I was a kid, I, so I lived in Santa Paula, a teenager, I lived in Santa Paula and went to school in Ventura. And for me, it was emotional eating, like all the women in my family, emotional eat their weight fluctuates. And like, I still do it now. I mean, I still am snacky all the time. Um, but that was probably the most that I could relate to was, you know, emotional eating and your freaking phone mm. being yeah. on my phone. Like, just put it down, just put it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But for the most part, yeah. Eating. I like to eat. <laughs> I, I get that too. That's Anyone a good else point. That numbing eating. I like to eat. Well, eating. And I think the phone, that's a really good the one. Phone. When you get on. Social media is a really good way of numbing. For mm-hmm. sure. I can agree to that one too. Sometimes I, that's yeah. why yeah. I got rid of Facebook and then Aaron lured me back in because. Oh my God. Same. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been good. I, I, have it hidden. It. I have it hidden on the last page of my cell phone. I just moved it all the way where you can't, you know, how I have to scroll through before you yeah. get to all the icons. Yeah. It's I never see it. So until Aaron says what you said today about getting, you know, 
we can talk on the group page and thought, oh man, now I'm going to have to do that. But it's been yeah. great. <laughs> but that was very numbing getting on social media. That was oh, yeah. Yeah. ridiculous. That's mm-hmm. a good one. Yeah. Okay. Question. Here's where I'm so, I don't know with you ladies. I'm curious who's a pleaser, who's not. Um, because one of the things Glennon talks about is that she was a pleaser and that's what she's come out of, um, being someone, I think in her, in a Christian religion, she was talking about traditions, meeting, kind of being a female. She talks about being like small, quiet, look the part, be pretty, be a certain size. Her first book, she does a really good job of explaining all that and talking about like even being in a sorority and what that was like. Um, and then being a teacher, and um, I'm curious, who is a pleaser? Have you ever been a pleaser? And what's that like for you? Like, this is like a roll call for AA. Pleaser? <laughs> I'm definitely a pleaser I, in recovery. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Mm-hmm. Never touch the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Not surprised. That's the best. She could give us a uh, master class and how not to be. We might have to He's do the antidote. Jordan's. I love it. <laughs> I've ha- I still have a foot in both. I used to be real. I mean, that was just how I was brought up. You know, you and I. You just call it a pleaser, but you just have to. That's how you get your uh, get your pats. You know, on the head and on the back is by you know doing that. Um, I've been better. I would say you know, at being able in my adult relationships outside of my immediate family, my children, especially, I definitely can see how I've put better boundaries on that. Um, I used to be scared of not pleasing, I guess, because that would be a form of disappointing, which leans way too close into old childhood issues. So, you know, you don't want to disappoint the adults Mm -hmm. in your life. And um, so that was something I had to work through and see it play out as I got older that by saying no, Jordan, that that worked. (laughs) And I didn't and I wasn't loved less. I might have been criticized or I might have gotten some you know negative feedback, but nobody disappeared on me. You know, so I, I was able to kind of move through that a little bit better. And as Aaron would know. You know, moving out here, we used to live a lot closer to family. So that kind of gave me an immediate, sorry, can't do it, you know, which was really nice. But with my kids and with my husband, but mostly with my kids, you know, I feel that pull to just meet them where I think they need me to meet them all the time. And they really don't ask. So that is something now they're adults, you know, I'm working through getting better at that. They don't put me in that position. I put myself there. And, um, that's a bit more tricky, um, area for me, but eventually I'll get there. Hopefully. Oh yeah. You're on your way there. I really relate to that. All, like all the things you're saying, I'm like, yeah. Um, and this is Michelle and, um, that that kind of juxtaposition about like, so a, a struggle that I have and I continue to have, it's like, I think I'm really working on is like that there's like no boundary. And then when there is a boundary, it's such a, like a hard boundary that it's like aggressive almost (laughs) and being able to have like a, a softer, but 
solid boundary to just be like, no, 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 I'm not like, this isn't a fight. I'm not upset. This is just, I'm not going to go over this. And I felt like, like you were saying with moving, I felt like COVID was a real gift in that area. It was mm-hmm. like, yeah, no, like we're, we had some people really close to us that, you know, didn't have the same boundaries around COVID restrictions as we did. And we talk about FOMO. We were talking about FOMO earlier. Like I was really having some FOMO, especially around the holidays and missing out on stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I just had to make a real active conscious decision to like have a a boundary, but then not have anger around it and not have Mm -hmm. like uh, aggression around, you know, that it wasn't like, it's not a thing, right? It's not, I'm not, I'm not in this, in that way, in that aggressive way, you know, mm-hmm. or not to get pulled in by people judging you for having those boundaries, especially during COVID. What you is know, Renee Brown keeps their own. What other people's opinion of me is not my business, right? Like right. <laughs> I, I, that is like a mantra. I tell myself all that, that is not my business. Like, right. It's, it's hard. It does a real, I really struggle with that. I really is that a new thing you're struggling with or you've struggled that like, is that something you're newly shifting? So, so no, no, I've always, I think I've always rebelled against being a people pleaser, but my, um, what's newer about it for me is, um, according to my therapist, I'm at midlife. So in case you're wondering, like, you're not going <laughs> to live over a hundred. So like, <laughs> it's, a, it's an age old problem I'm having. <laughs> but the, like I don't want to fight about it you know what I mean like I don't want to yeah. I want to be able to set a boundary and do it lovingly and appropriately and and then I don't want to beat myself up about it and I don't want to be beaten up about it like and mm-hmm. so that is newer for me I would say yeah. it's in funny the past, said- I would in the oh, past sorry. I would 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 do it more I would wait until like maybe I'd had too much to drink and I would say something, right. You know, or it would be like, so there would be like another fight and then I would bring it up like a sneak attack. You know, I, I was more like that in the past. I think I wasn't as comfortable with setting the boundary just as myself. Yeah. So it is newer to just set a loving, but clear boundary. Yeah. It's interesting you said about COVID because I'm kind of like, everyone relatively do what you want. I don't care, whatever. It's probably because I have a fear of karma kicking me in the ass, the work I do. So like, who cares what you're, you know, blah, blah. And I'm like, I better practice everything I preach. But COVID, I noticed if I wanted to be with people, like it was like, oh, let's be each other's pod. I'm like, I got to ask some questions. (laughs) I'm a cannibal to all these people. Like, do we have similar covid responses that would make us a pod and i might ask later if i see or sense something that's not working or vice versa and i felt i got really uncomfortable feeling like it was none of my damn business to be asked those questions at first and then i slowly like got used to it but i remember being like i felt like it was like you know, when you're all dating and then you're like, haven't had the conversation, like how many people you slept with, <laughs> you always use protection. Like, I was like, this feels like sex. Like, um, I, you know, I, I don't know if other people have had the same experience, but I had the same experience when I, my kids first started 
having play dates with other families. Mm. And there was a family, it was an old school, whatever, whatever. But I, I didn't ask any questions. My daughter had gone to their house, had hung out there. She was little. And then I saw on social media that they were really, really into um, like guns. They were really into guns. They like went to like shooting ranges and blah, And I grew up in a law enforcement family. I'm not like a total anti-gun person, but I grew up in a really safe environment around guns. They were always locked up, but it never occurred to me to have that conversation. Right. But I don't know. I, I, it, it occurred to me that I had just made this really big error that I had not like, I'm not asking some really like safety related questions because I'm trying to be nice. Right. I'm trying to be like a, a nice girl. Right. And when I then started asking people questions, some people are very uncomfortable with like, Hey, on the first date, like, right. How many people have you slept with? So do you guys have guns in your house and where are they located? Like what, what's your, what's your gun safety issue? Like, but that's true. You know, I think this is a good point you're making with this is Trina with pleasing. I, I, that switch goes off when I became a parent, I didn't give two shits what people thought of me when it came to my kids, which is weird. Cause I know I have a lot of friends that did choose pleasing the other parents or wanting to be in the groups. This is aside from COVID. This is just growing up with, you know, parents, you know, they just want to be part friendships were more important. I don't know why it was just mother bear took over and I didn't care who was my friend. I didn't care if you talked about me at PTA, which I hate PTA. I think it's a cesspool for gossip, but that's just me. Um, <laughs> sorry, PTA, but you know, I never had a good experience there, but uh, you know, yeah, I think that is a, a, if you, if you're a pleaser, my recommendation is try not to do that as a parent. It's yeah. you're going to lose every time. I was your kids totally unaware of that. Didn't, it didn't even yeah. occur to me that that was a thing. And luckily I was able to learn that lesson without terrible consequences. Right. Like now yeah. I, I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> God, I'm probably going to get sued by the PTA. You're not giving out last names. Are you? No, no, <laughs> <yet>. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> Did anyone else want to say something on that before I ask my next question? Okay, MK, this one's for you. <laughs> okay. Um, have you ever Googled or gone outside yourself for something really important? Something that in retrospect, maybe you'd going to in going in was the answer instead of going out. I Google everything. Um, it's hard to like think about a time where I had a question that was like more internal than out. I actually didn't really know what like that voice was until, till I don't know, within the last five or six years. So um, I'm still learning about that. I still don't trust it. So I guess I'd say I Google, I was Googling everything before <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah. So when do you trust the voice and when do you not? I'm curious. You said sometimes I do. So- yeah. It's, it's interesting when, when it comes to like in a yes, no decision, I can pretty much like find the intuition, intuitive feeling and like go with it. And more times than not, 
like either I have a really big horseshoe up my ass or like, it just works out like in the favor mm-hmm. of that. Right. But when it comes to like multiple options, like kid in the candy store type thing, I'm, I'm like a Tasmanian devil, you know, just, I'm just like, I don't know where to, I'm just going to keep spinning until somebody puts their hand on me and tells me to stop. Type thing. <laughs> um, yeah. I just, I don't, I don't trust it. And people keep telling me to trust it. And I'm like, teach me. And I don't know what that means. So then I'll Google how, how to do it. And it's like, not the same. So trust yeah. your inner knowing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, that's, it's like, I love woo woo, but that's almost like, it's like too woo woo for me type uh-huh. of thing. Even though I want it so bad, it's just, just like conflict. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I told my friend for a year, I don't know, two years, my friend, Debbie, some of you know her, she's uh, Dutch and she's super, assertive and very black and white and I I would tell her soften soften and one time we were walking like on the boardwalk in front of a bunch of surfers she turned to me she's like what the after I said just soften about it and she was like what the fuck is softening about it Erin and I was like well shit I've been saying this word for a long ass time and had no idea she had she had no idea what I was saying but she kept trying to she's like I was like this thing (laughs) to do but I don't know how to do it Kayla, what about you? You talked about your family not being far from this romanticized picture. Did you develop, have you developed an inner knowing or are you a Googler outside yourself? Uh, I think it's taken me a really long time, but I think I'm more, I could definitely um, go, go deep in myself and not so much on the outside. Um, but I, I'm trying to think like, I mean, I definitely do like, well, so I don't know. So, I mean, I guess like Google's one way, but I, there's often times where I get really unsure of myself or I, I know things and I don't trust my inner self. So instead of not necessarily Googling it, I'll like ask all these other people the question and I'll, I'll want to know the answer. And then they'll all tell me what I already know, but it's like, I just, I, I have a hard time still sometimes it's like a daily practice, right. Of, of trusting what I, my inner self knows, but oftentimes I, I tend to go um, out and ask, you know, multiple people, you know, the, the real this, life these Google. questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like, like, for example, just I recently, like, my dad passed away a year ago, and I just received my inheritance. And so it's like, I know what I've wanted to do with it, and what I need to do with it. But it's like, I've never been in this place in my life before. But it's like, I've asked, like, three different people already, like what I should do. And I already know, and they're telling me exactly what I know, but I'm still going outside of me, because it's just it feels so bigger than than me right now because it's so it's so different you know I've never had this before and I've also never not had my dad and this is like a question that you ask your parents you know so it's just yeah I don't know if that answered your question no it totally does (laughs) I feel that okay (laughs) yeah I I definitely can relate with that one just like you can I do. I do. The- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go, Jordan, go. I can. Oh. I did my man. What is it? My 
human design and it says I have two voices in my head. <laughs> <laughs> what are you? I highly recommend human design. Yes. Manifest generator. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. And I think I do I, with my solar plexus. I don't know. Yes. I, no, we're, yes, I'm yeah. with you. I'm anyway. a manifest generator. Yeah. So no, my sacral, I don't know, whatever, whatever it Probably is. Probably your sacral. Sacral. I thought it was solar plexus, but whatever. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> hey, she'll Isn't be the back se- the second Wednesday of June. You can check it out again. At the Healing Portal of Ventura, California. Solar plexus. <laughs> solar plexus. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Wait, that's how you, that's how you make decisions. Solar plexus. I know. Wait, so that's where you... What is the solar plexus? Yeah, what's the solar plexus, Jordan? I don't know. <laughs> Kelly, what's right the solar plexus? Here, right? Your solar right plexus here? is your personal power center. Right, um, under your right below your bra line. Right here, right? Yeah. yeah. Your yes. boobies are way low under your boobies. <laughs> but so that's where you feel like that's where you get your answers from, is what you're saying? That's, yeah, that's what it said, okay. like, okay. I believe. And so, which is funny, because every time I reiki myself, like, that area is, like on fire i'm like gosh calm down like (laughs) but yeah i will definitely like today we bought something recent like for the house and i'm like where should we put it and like i know where we should put it but of course i had to ask like five different people where we should put this object in the house yeah no i i get it there's sometimes where i know but maybe i just want reassurance well it's like we're afraid to make the wrong decision right? Or it's like, there's some, yeah. some consequence if we decide. And then it's like, oh, that's, that wasn't the right place to put it, Jordan. So now, <laughs> right? so now you're stupid or something, you know, it's like, I, <laughs> that's yeah, what we're afraid definitely. of. Someone's yeah. going to get mad at us. A part of me wants to test it too. Mm-hmm. Like test the knowing, right? Yeah. Like, right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's how you build relationship yeah. with yourself too, right? Yeah. If you, if you do get that confirmation, then as long as you don't keep asking, right. It's helping you trust yourself for sure. But are I always, you do, go ahead. Go no, ahead. Go on, okay. no, go. No, you go. Okay, fine. I always, I always do <laughs> the, like, um, when I make a decision, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to like past MK. And then future mm-hmm. MK finds out and I'm just like, fuck past MK. She sucked. And that just, yeah. 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 We're afraid we're going to get mad at ourselves too. <laughs> yeah. Self-loathing. Oh yeah. <laughs> Woo. Oh, we're going to see Michelle, one of her children. Um, Jordan, but if let's say you asked those five people and they disagreed with your sacral knowing. I put it where I want. Or plexus. Put it where you're, or for a plexus. Where, okay, so who puts it after who? So raise your hands and I'll just yell at names. Who goes outside themselves pretty consistently in some area or many areas of your life for knowing? All right. So just so you know, it's yeah. I was like, mm. yeah. Kelly, I mean, I do it. Jordan, Aaron, and Bethany is in denial, but sometimes I'm not. Like, I said I did. I went like this. <laughs> I, I'm, with Bethany. I'm, a, I'm a little. I'm getting worse. better. Just I'm getting better. I'm getting so much better at it. That's why. So, do, is it our older our older folks here that are going internal? Is that what I know? Ooh, that'd be interesting. Mm. Kelly went like this. I don't do it all the time, though. Yeah, sometimes like I just do what things. I want. Sometimes, you know what I mean. 
Also, sometimes I just don't want to make a decision and I just want someone Mm. else to make it for me. (laughs) Mm. There you go. Like, like, were you a internal or you were external? I, my, my thing and my poor therapist hears this all the time. I hate follow-up. So if I, if I ask for feedback, then I have to deal with people asking me what I did about and I hate oh, that part. So, oh, yeah. that's so, smart. That's so good. <laughs> oh yeah, I like that. Interesting. The big thing, big thing. So, so you'd rather deal with yourself than with other people's feedback. Hell yeah. Oh, that is like a great pivot. Pivot. Yeah, yeah. New, no, it's not always healthy. Are you kidding? No, it's an unhealthy it, it, version because it sounded really brilliant. It just sounds yeah. like a good strategy. Well, probably because we're probably no, on the opposite it, end of the yeah. spectrum. <laughs> no, it's just it's in there somewhere. It, it is good most of the time, but where I do it, you see, I how this how she talks about this in the book, you know, I I just I've just learned uh, that the more I involve other people um the more I have to manage it later and I hate managing stuff later I just don't I've never enjoyed that um but I do what what's missing about doing that is allowing another is feeling safe with the people I trust to give me the feedback that I need most likely and to be okay with trusting the that, that they're just going to check in on me. And I need to also, my, I have a si- our younger sister is very good at this. And I relate to what Jordan, she and Jordan would either, I think they'd love each other. Um, <laughs> I have to be okay with saying, I don't want to, I, I'm, I, I, I don't need to talk about that right now. I, I I'm not good at that. Cause once I let you in, then I feel like I I'm obligated at that point. And mm-hmm. I want to be better at saying no, I'm good now. <laughs> Thank you, though. <laughs> but no, that would be probably the next thing to do. Yeah. I had Not a client do that and model it. I did this gathering and someone asked her questions about her work, which was benign. Like, oh, what are you doing? She's like, not talking about it right now, but don't I ask and that. don't ask me later. Probably don't want to talk about it then either. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And the person was like, oop, sorry. She's like, no, sorry. Yeah, I just Stop don't want to talk it. about it. Was was she was she like of menopause age? Because I feel like what there is, is something that there's a <laughs> what is she getting at? <laughs> I'm just saying I feel like there is this like freeing that comes with this sort of natural progression. Uh, I, we talked about this in the last session. Yeah, where I was right. like all right. of a sudden like I had this like sexy commodity, and then all of a sudden I'm invisible, and it was like. Right. No, I think she's, she's, yeah, she's early fifties. Yeah, she is. Yeah. There's something that comes with that. That's kind of like. You don't I give don't a fuck. It's, it's an invitation. <laughs> yes. I feel yes. like it's an yeah. invitation from the world to say you're halfway through your life, make some decisions, you know? Like, but I think what Jordan's saying is true. It's, it's kind of embracing the, the, I don't give a fuck, but yeah, you yeah. want to be able to, to, to allow people in at the same time, but also know yeah. when you can say who you want. Yeah. All right, I'm done. I don't, uh, okay, you know, I don't, yeah, and it's yeah. my stuff. I don't have to let you in all the time, right. you know? So, um, yeah, I guess it's a hybrid maybe yeah, of that, that I'm, I'm I love that the younger generation is doing it earlier. I think that's really smart. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I don't want to end up like some of the older generations. So <laughs> <laughs> would that be us generation X? No, I like, 
Uh, I like, um, no, I'm Jen. Oh, I'm Gen Y. I'm Gen Y. I know you're, I know you're not my generation. I'm a millennial. (laughs) Um, no, I know, but no, you're, no, I like everyone, but there's some people that I'm like, Oh, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be like you. So that's the first time I've ever seen you worried. Like, no, no, I like people. Usually I don't fucking like them. They can sit in space. I like some people. I mean, the, it's the boomers, but I know that there's some boomers in here that I really like. Hey, Kelly, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> right. Present company excluded. Hey, that's what I mean. Present company excluded. I think of myself as a boomer. I was, a, I was stunned when somebody called me that. I was like, what? Because you I am. You didn't you? I'm the very, like, maybe last year or You're last a baby year. boomer. That's how baby, I feel baby. about You're me. You're a baby, yeah being a millennial because i think i'm technically considered a millennial but i do not identify mm-hmm. I, <laughs> there's there's some aspects where i totally identify it but there's like some aspects where like i'm like how do you like I, you know mel brooks and like there's areas in my life where i watched a lot of stuff because i was raised by my dad who's a you know a baby boomer and had like this dry sense of humor Mm-hmm. And most people my age are like, who are you talking about? And I'm like, oh my God, get out of here. Give me a boomer. Like- <laughs> MK, are you, uh, you're like in the, I feel like you're in the middle. Oh, I'm an elder millennial for sure. For uh, sure. I look at the younger millennials and I'm like, honey, I lived through the eighties and nineties. Like you're just mm-hmm. the late nineties, two thousands version of myself. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. yeah, I'm an elder. Uh, okay. <laughs> I Google elder. it because I know I yep. think I Google it because Bethany thought like she's like no I think I'm done like no you're not my generation I'm 45 I know you're not fucking my because I'm not the tail end but I'm the last quarter of the Gen so, X right Gen X, Gen yeah. X yeah yeah right. which nothing like having a teenager being like you guys like she asks questions the last like three four years like why did you guys do that like hello Girl, like, why are you copying me? just develop with my generation like really like, yes, that's what happened. There's a really good, um, her name is Eliza. Um, Benelli. No, no. no. Yeah. Uh, no I love her. Schlesinger, Schlesinger. Yes. She's an elder millennial and like her entire skit is like sometimes my voice in my head. Like when I, when I see things and interact with people, it's like perfect. She's an elder. She considers herself an elder, elder millennial too. It's really. I think that's one of her stand-up routines. Is yeah, that's right. She's she's fantastic. Yeah, she really is. She's hilarious. Yeah. All right. Question. Um, when she talks about being raised by people supporting, so what was your experience? Did anyone support your inner knowing or did anyone actively try to take it away in your upbringing? And I feel like Kelly might be our boomer here because Kelly has, it's, I don't, I know a little bit of all your stories, but I'll say if you had glass castle, if anyone's read that and running with scissors, mm-hmm. that might've probably been Kelly's upbringing, which is just alcoholism, mental health issues. Now raise yourself. <laughs> so Kelly, Ooh. tell us, how did, like, you survive? You're knowing <laughs> what? Nothing. <laughs> now you have to say it. She's drinking so How did you, and I said, I said, how did you survive? Yeah, because you're like, you were talking about running with scissors and alcoholism and raised yourself. <laughs> so yeah. how did you raise yourself? <laughs> 
Like, did you have a memory of having an inner knowing as a child and having it be like invalidated or? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had, I came in with uh, some, well, abilities, some direct connections. And my family was, it scared the crap out of them. And so we all went about stomping the shit out of it as quickly as possible. Um, so it took, it was probably just in the last 10 years that the connection has really started to open up. I mean, I think back to some of the things that happened, you know, for me before it got like shut out. If I had been engendered and uh, cultivated, I, I mean, I can't even imagine, you know, where I, what kind of service I could be to this planet. But I know that I also signed up, you know, for whatever happened. And what happened gave me such a level of compassion and relatability. I mean, there's no one that can walk through my door that I, I don't have compassion for because I've either been there, done that, or, you know, got the t-shirt. So it was interesting to see how it's been so much, uh, uh, starting to come in with full force now in the last 10 years. Mm. Does that answer? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Can you just maybe share with us when you claimed it, like maybe a story or a share of like, this is when I, because this is part of the book is about almost putting your anchor or you're like, you know, staff in the ground and saying, I might not be great at the shift, but I'm going to trust you. I remember leaving a, a retreat and being like, I'm going to trust myself before any motherfucker on this planet. Like I just remember declaring it and then floundering like a fish out of water for months and years. But I'm just curious, what, do you remember that moment when you were like, I'm going in? Um, well, you know, it's kind of interesting because I, I was seeking spiritual alignment. It was sort of like a push me, pull me. So I would roll up to a, a retreat, you know, smoking a joint and drinking a beer and then go into a silent retreat for the next seven days. And so I was kind I was balancing where I was headed with where I had come from for a long, long time. So, um, I think it was probably, I was at a monastery south of Tucson on, in a retreat where it just like, it was literally a voice that came through. And I knew then that it was uh, firmly moved out of the past reactionary behavior and moving forward. And that was probably in 2006. Mm. anyone else have that kind of experience where you had like this inner like oh i'm shifting i'm claiming myself claiming my inner knowing we're all okay. staring at each other not, not cannot hear any sounds <laughs> <laughs> nothing like the zoom stare oh yeah. this is michelle <laughs> i Mine's kind of, I mean, it, it's, it's a, I want to talk about will. Is that mm. appropriate here? Yeah. Yeah. So okay. absolutely. Okay. So, um, when I was married, my first year of marriage, um, 
I was 35 and my husband and I, we got pregnant right away and it was really exciting and awesome. I had never, I never really been pregnant before. I thought I was pregnant, you know, like you have scares and stuff, but I'd never been pregnant. So about a little over halfway through the pregnancy, we found out that the baby was not, it was, something was not right. And I was raised Catholic and I had never had an abortion and I wasn't, I'm very pro-choice, but I was like, I was always a person that would be like, I'm very pro-choice, but I would never do it. <laughs> like, and we had not, we had not done pre-tests. Like we had not done the early testing stuff, mm. like uh, amnio or anything. Cause I just thought, well, what would we do? Like, I just thought the worst thing that I could have imagined would have been like, well, we'll like, we would have like a quirky, like on life goes on, you know, and like, who wouldn't want a quirky in your family? For those of you that are younger, you won't know, but like, it was a, a lovely down syndrome child that was in this family that was amazing, went to normal school and yeah, he like transformed the family. Right. He was amazing. It was amazing. And that was not our situation. This, it was consistently. And so I was both in this juxtaposition of being like actively pregnant like people could anyone who saw me on the street would be like oh when's the baby due like that's how pregnant I was and on the other side I was like wrestling with this like what the hell like we've got this baby this baby that like if every time we went to a doctor it was like one thing after another it was like this is gonna like if this baby lives like this baby's gonna be a vegetable for like ever like it was a it was a totally different thing than I had ever imagined to be dealing with and to be thinking about and to be like wrestling with and it was so far down the road it was like at that point to terminate the pregnancy it would have been like ten thousand dollars out of pocket like it was just so crazy it was like such a it, it was such an extreme thing mm. and they still were like well maybe the baby will be fine like it was mm. anyway i'm when i'm hearing about this stuff, I, that's that's what i think of i think of that situation where i was just like i was both like an advocate for pro-choice right and a person that was not interested in having an abortion, yet I also was not interested in having a life where I had a, a, a person like that I delivered a person that I kept alive just to keep alive, right? And um, he ended up dying when he was two days old. We I delivered him and he died. His name was Will. And it was, it was just a, it was a, a complete, before that, I, we didn't do testing. You know, it was all these things that I thought I was. And then it's like, then faced with these decisions and this situation in your life, that was not who I was. You know what I mean? Like every subsequent pregnancy I had, I did all the tests and I was like, and I had heard at one point, there was this woman that we knew growing up and she was using me as an example of like a pro-life decision right because we had had the baby and I had to like have a very tough conversation to be like hey you can't use our story in that way like I, I my kids still go to Catholic school I'm a Catholic person I'm a pro-choice Catholic person and 
but you can't use our story in that way because my decision wasn't any better than anyone else's decision. That's a terrible scenario for someone to be in. And I never would have like had that compassion, that thought, you know what, you think you know who you are and then you're in a tough situation and then you really find out who you are, you know? That's, that's what was coming up for me. That was like. Can I ask you who was birthed in your personality and then you know who you are, you said. Mm-hmm. Who is she that came out of having Will? Oh, I'm so, <laughs> I used to, it, so I used to always say like everything happens for a reason. And I used to like, it was, I said this so much that I, there was this joke that I said, which was like, God, and I used to say, God's pretty fair. You don't see a lot of supermodel neurosurgeons, right? Like, mm-hmm. and it, that was my joke, like my haha, like God's fair because you, it evens out. And after that experience, I was like, well, you know what? <laughs> Sometimes shit just happens and it's just terrible. And does it even out? I don't know. Like, is it like, do you get too much sometimes? Yeah, sometimes people get too much. Like sometimes people just get too much and they don't get out of bed. Like I didn't want to be that person. I wanted to get out of bed and I wanted to make something good of my, you know, convert something good. And so what I did was I just ended up with a lot more compassion for, you know, people make decisions and they generally are making the best decision they can with the information they have, right? Like, generally some people are assholes but generally yeah I just it brought me a lot more compassion to like what people go through and what people are dealing with like in life you know yeah people get a lot of like what's where's the good answer there you know what I mean like is there a good answer in like I'm walking around a pregnant person and yet like this baby isn't gonna live any kind of meaningful life yet like I mean like it was just it was just a what do you do with that what do you do with that and then even then then it was like after that I had to make decisions about like well this is actually a person in my life like this right this baby is a person in our life this baby existed. It was mm-hmm. short term, but it existed. It was meaningful. And that, and people think that's weird. And I'm just like, well, that's my truth. That's, that's, we're going to have a picture up of this kid. Like this kid is in our life. Yeah. And if you're a person who thinks that's weird, or you're a person who doesn't want to hear me say, I have three kids, even though I only have two living you're probably not someone who wants to ha- spend a lot of time with me because that's going to be very uncomfortable for you. <laughs> and it's fun. It's interesting because I think what you're speaking to too is like, we live in the and, like this happened in this. I'm this and I'm that. And I think we live in a society that really wants it to be or. Like, can you please pick a mm-hmm. fucking side? Right, they, they want to they, they give you the right news feed, right? Like, well, do I send you? <laughs> do I send you? That's true. Congratulations. Right, because yeah. you're Catholic, so that means you must be pro-life, right? <laughs> right. That's not true, right? Yeah. That's not yeah. exactly. Yeah. So it's yeah, they want you to be in a box, and it's. I think that's the kind there of is no box talking about here, right? <laughs> that, that's the whole book, right? Is that like the boxes are created? Box. Yeah. 
we create like the society has created the boxes and it's yeah they're, I want they're to metaphorical. get oh, <laughs> I'm just saying they're metaphorical they don't exist actually mm-hmm. right I, I think it's a great point to kind of um to take a little turn is we talk Glennon talks about religion so Glennon's history as the author was Christian she wrote as a Christian writer was on the author's circuit and then came out with her love um I saw that Jordan. Jordan dropped Sorry. it. That's like Sorry. a third time. <laughs> <laughs> <That's great. laughs> I mean, hey, um, I'll keep track. <laughs> wild Don't worry. <laughs> Kelly's praying for you. Um, yeah. <laughs> so with um spirit with she talks about being in a Christian environment, comes out with the last book, Love Warrior. And then decides, do I divorce? And like she even speaks about that. Like some Christian churches are not pro-divorce. You do whatever it takes. And they went to a Christian therapist and she talked about how that landed for her. Like, wait, my husband's been having affairs our whole marriage. And you're saying stick with him because that's what a good Christian woman does. So she was already kind of like shaking the cage a little at the end of that book. And then she meets um, Abby and then later marries her. And then like, oh, you're gay. Like, and she won't even really, she doesn't even say gay. She says, I love Abby. She identifies, she kind of says it in ways that I feel like. Does she not identify as? What? Does she not identify as gay or lesbian or? Kind of. I I really feel like she tries, sometimes I feel like she speaks to that, like being gay. And then sometimes I feel like she says, I love Abby. Like. Right. It doesn't really I don't matter. know, but she's never, never say like pansexual. So I say it with like, I'm not sure. And I don't know. Knowing what I've read of Glenn and she probably doesn't fucking want to be caged on that either. So right. she's like, don't identify like, me. I don't know what you say. So she's <laughs> and, 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 whatever she wants. Um, but so she talks about religion being in spirituality, religion and faith. She really speaks to faith is spirituality is the water and religion is the glass and how that looks for her what about all of you where is religion spirituality faith where does that land for you what does that look like i can speak to that this is trina um for me i was raised catholic as well um and uh religion was a massive identity uh growing up it was everything it was it was cultural it was it was everything. My whole world was surrounded by family who were Catholics, um, friends that were Catholic, going to Catholic school for 12 years, you know, so um, everything about who I was, was about being Catholic. That's just the identity I was given. And um, you were measured by that in every single way. So there were hardcore Catholics in our family, there were less, you know, there were, what would you call that levels? (laughs) You know, mm-hmm. I, I think our grandpa was dying to have a nun in the family or a priest for God's sakes. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, in fact, he even gave me a, an ornament with a nun. It was a, a little wooden nun in hopes that that would encourage me. But, and I felt really close to the Catholic faith mul- multiple times. Um, well, I should say faith. The faith part got me through a lot of tricky stuff. The religion ended up being um, something I couldn't even get behind any longer. 
Um, part of that break, what slowly happened when I met my husband, he's Jewish. So um, when we um, met, that was, and I, again, I, in the last time we spoke, you know, I, I, I shared that I'm the oldest on both sides. So everything was kind of riding on me in terms of how I represented things for the other kids in the family. And whether it was my immediate family or my cousins, it was just kind of everything was on, it felt like it was on my shoulders. So um, when I met Todd, he was Jewish and he was the first, I mean, I had met a couple Jewish kids in my life, but um, it was just rare. <laughs> Our world was really insular, <laughs> insulated, I should say. Um, so, and then to move forward, you know, so anyways, that was not met with a lot of, um, I would say excitement my parents were were good but you know I think that only went so far as the outside family members so I think everybody kind of had hoped maybe that would just fizzle out at some point and it didn't and then oh my god when we decided to move in together that was like we did something horrific and that started making me think why is love being measured based on a religion. And so little chips were being made into my um, connection with the religion part. Um, and then when we went to get married, all hell broke loose at that point. And um, we even had family members that threatened not to come. And um, it was, yet my husband's family were just as welcoming as can be. They just open arms the entire way. And when we couldn't get married, we didn't get married in the Catholic church because we couldn't, you know, um, unless he were to agree and I didn't want to force him. So anyways, fast forward, um, that was when, and then we had children and that got, that was very difficult because of baptism. And it took one very brave priest who I won't name, who told me that children are innocent no matter what. I mean, my, my fear of them going to hell was still so ingrained, even though I was chipping away at the religion. Um, I was still so frightened of, of, of where they, what would happen to them. And, um, and then from, and then the last, the last thing that gave way was, you know, when I found out that we had very good friends um, growing up that were molested um, by priests, uh, two very good friends of mine uh, came out and said so. And that was when I was done, sent a letter to the church saying I never <laughs> will be consider myself a Catholic the rest of my life. I could not uh, stand for the hypocrisy of the church any longer. And that was freedom. From that point on, it was like, I don't, I, I was done. And um, it's, I feel like a big shackle. I have other shackles, but that was a big one that I was able to take off my ankle. So when I hear stories like that, I didn't grow up with religion. Um, I was, I always had FOMO because I had a lot of friends that actually, and family, to be quite honest. Um, but as I've gotten older, like I had a conversation with someone two weeks ago about this and like the shame that comes along with like going against the religion is just so anti-religious to me that I, I just am so turned off by that aspect of it, even though like there's this communal, um, 
perspective that I think would be so interesting, but it's, it's like this underbelly, I think maybe is what, what I'll call it. I haven't really experienced it, mm-hmm. that I just turns me off completely. So I'll just stick to the surface level of religion of all, because I think that that <laughs> level is all beautiful. I agree. Right? Yeah. It's hard to make that for me, it was then, okay, now what am I left with? So now it turned into identifying what is faith. And really having to, to find out for me, what is that? And faith became about uh, looking at my daughter's little hand for the first time, you know, her laugh, you know, hiking um, a bird, you know, faith became more about what, what we live in the day-to-day sounds um, the joy. I feel having a really good glass of wine, (laughs) you know, it could be any of those things. I had to embrace that as being something what more than what a bunch of men told us we had to believe back in God knows when. I just can't wrap my brain around that bullshit anymore for me. But I respect mm-hmm. people that are part of a, of a religion, you know, as long as, you know, you don't try to make me feel as if I am a bad yeah. person for not being part of one. Anymore. Yeah, it's like the past yeah. down the shame can, can you can take that elsewhere. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's interesting because oh, yeah. I remember, so I grew up Catholic along with my sister and I remember being like, wait a minute. It was pretty easy for me. With a, I don't know if I would have done the same in another religion, but I was like, wait, so if I want to be a leader in this religion, I'm a female. Oh, I could be a nun. Okay. What does that mean? Oh, I am Jesus's bride. I get no power. I have no money. What the fuck? And I remember thinking this young, like I am not interested. And that's, and that was kind of when I was in my teen years looking around, like, is there another religion? Cause I was looking for the community that I want to be a better, better person. I thought that was a religious structure that was going to provide that and participate in my life that way. But then I would just ask questions like, so what can a woman do here? Oh, she can't go to the third heaven, whatever that third heaven is. Okay, not in shit. And they'd be like, wait, 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 but there's these other pieces. And I, for some reason, the voice in my head stuck, which is how far can a woman get here? And if I can't get as far as any man, then I'm not interested. And they're like, well, do you want to be a church leader? No, no. But what if she does? And that was such a like place for me. Anyone else want to share their aha? I love that. Well, it's so funny. Like, so I grew up in a religious home as well. And um, like, I always had questions and and I didn't really read the Bible very well. And um, up until I started dating uh, my partner now, Sebastian, like he kind of really opened my eyes to like a new way of thinking because I'm pretty close-minded well was <laughs> um but we uh, to piggyback kind of off of Michelle we had to at young age we had an abortion and I was I was um pro-life um and that totally switched my uh dynamic with everything and um so, um, that had me like looking at, you know, the world a little different. Um, but it's crazy to see, like, so my dad is still super religious. Um, he is recently sober and having him sober 
now in his, you know, 60s, as opposed to when he was, you know, in 40. So he fell off the wagon um, after my, my parents divorced. So um, anyway, he it's he's sober and having him talk about religion now. Um, it's a lot different. It's not, um, it's kind of beautiful in a way. Um, I can ask him anything. He knows the Bible really well, but basically he said, you know, all these other, like all these other religions, there's no gimmick. There's no, there's no gimmick with God. There's no gimmick with Christ. There's no, it's, you know, be a good person, but you're not going to be, you know, cause we're people and, you know, there's only one way to get to heaven and you don't have to do all these lists of rules and hell Marys and our fathers. And, you know, I didn't even know about a third heaven. What the hell? Like, I'll tell you about it later, <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? You can't there's go no, there anyways. Ugh, damn it. I don't want to go. <laughs> Who does? No, I don't want to go, but <laughs> it's just one of those things where I'm like, Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Dad. I'm like, you're kind of like, chill with this whole religion thing now like as opposed to you know how he was you know I'm more spiritual and he doesn't like that I'm more liberal but whatever and I'm covered in tattoos and you know my body's a temple and I'm gonna color it so (laughs) your body cheers my body exactly What was he like before with religion? Um, he was a lot more strict and I, it, it's funny. My mom's never going to listen to this, but he recently said, um, he's like, I don't get angry. I stopped getting angry when we got divorced. I mean, when he, he know about things and he used to be like, and I get this where I get my friggin' rage from, I think probably on both sides. Um, you know, he, he was a very angry person, very close-minded person, um, very strict growing up, but he was also like a big goofball. So it was a weird, like dynamic. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was, it's weird now that he's just like, he seems pretty free. Like he, he started drinking when I was like 11 or 12 and he just got sober, you know, two years ago. So when I was like 29, so that was like a hard time. There was points in my life where I was just kind of like almost praying to God, like just take them because it's going to be a lot easier for me. And now I have like the best relationship with my dad, um, which is, it's, it's cooler. And, and where he lives, he has to see like people my age and all through different walks of life and stuff. And so he's kind of like this, like elder sober man like mm. <laughs> but like people come to him like it's kind of cute but he's he's a lot more chill with his he doesn't get angry as he doesn't get angry he's like just kind of like goes with the flow now I'm like who is this person that's <laughs> cute anyone else want to share spirituality religion faith Silence means no. I really try to be with silence and I realize that's not conducive for a podcast. No, <laughs> like, no. We're at a different <laughs> space for one another. Is Kelly uh, yeah. still praying? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. 
Well, I'm going to save the last question. I'm going to post it in the Facebook group um, and see if we can all respond there and see everyone listening about uh, burning it down, which I fucking love that, like the concept (laughs) of let it burn. So we might start there next time, but I want to, and on behalf of Bethany and I, thank you ladies for joining us and having this conversation and you know, sharing your life and your history and your viewpoints and yeah. your messiness and your wins and your losses. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks guys. Thanks yeah. for opening up and being thanks here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. For having us. We're thanks. very mellow. Watch. The energy next time is going to be like, ah, oh, all the planets are in Sagittarius. We're like, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> Uh, so anyone that's listening, join us in the Facebook group. Um, we're the wild and messy book club based on Glennon Doyle's book and jump in there because we're going to all be chatting in there and talking. And until next time, thank you everyone for joining us. Yeah. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.